Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. So uh, now it's time for me to overtake the pulpit. Uh, at you want to introduce yourself or you need me to introduce you? Oh, I, I think I will introduce myself. <laughs> I work for the Kościuszko Chair of Polish Studies. I assist uh, um, Professor Hodakiewicz in his work and I also do some uh, research of mine. At the very beginning I would like to thank my husband and my mother uh, whose devoted care for an infant and a toddler at home enabled my intellectual efforts and intellectual inquiry. I'm extremely grateful for it and I hope that you will enjoy the fruit of my labors. Uh, today I would like to talk about an extraordinary life story um, of the man who volunteered to infiltrate Auschwitz concentration camp to gather intelligence about it. Uh, his name was Witold Pilecki and at the time of, um, at the time of his uh, endeavor he was a lieutenant, he was later promoted to the, um, to the name of the captain uh, he is generally known as uh, Captain, uh, as Cavalry Captain uh, Witold Pilatski, so I uh, will refer to him um, with this rank, but please remember that throughout the uh, ordeal uh, he was uh, a lieutenant. Um, let's, uh, there it goes, hopefully. I'm sorry. Oh. Now it worked. There's the clicker. Uh, for years, uh, Captain Witold Pilatski was um, in fact sentenced to oblivion. He was um, censored in the Polish media and uh, he was not very well known in the West until his report was discovered in the archives of the Polish underground movement in Warsaw. Uh, I'm sorry, in London. Of course, Warsaw was be, uh, be behind the Iron Curtain and it was not uh, possible for the researchers from the West uh, to get access to um, any raw data which were stored in the um, archives of the Auschwitz Museum. Um, therefore, the first um, attempt at recreating what happened in Auschwitz and what kind of intelligence um, uh, organizations were functioning in the camp uh, was very laudable and it was a very hard um, endeavor because um, many data had to be collected through personal correspondence it was not it was not easy when only um, regular classical mail service was available and the first endeavor was made by uh, Mr. Josef, oh, I'm sorry uh, by Mr. Józef Garlinski, uh, whose book, um, as the first mentions, Witold uh, Pilecki in the West, uh, and that's the book you can see in the middle of the page, you can um, still buy it. Um, its name is Fight Fighting Auschwitz. Uh, the research on Auschwitz has moved on uh, since the moment it was published in 1975. Uh, however, it is the first attempt at recreate at, um, at recreate what was happening and uh, it describes the whole of the underground movement in Auschwitz, uh, not only Witold Pilecki. However, inspired by uh, what Józef Garlinski discovered, uh, his, um, one of his supervising professors, 
Professor Foote published uh, a book which uh, familiarizes and popularizes the achievements of various intelligence operators in the West during the Second World War. And his book, Six Faces of Courage, um, features uh, Witold Pilecki as one of the six bravest people, um, according to Professor Foote. Uh, then, after uh, the change of the political system in, in Poland, uh, Pilecki was censored no more for reasons that I'm going to discuss in my presentation. And at that point, uh, various researchers could reveal the work they have been doing heretofore, or they could delve into the, uh, into the domain. And I can certainly recommend uh, the book on Rotmistrz, on Rotmistrz Pilecki by Dr. Adam Cyra, who is... Uh, a solid piece of, uh, of scholarly work on the topic. Uh, there are also other books inspired by the achievements of uh, Rotmistrz Pilecki, um, like um, the, the Volunteer, published in Italy um, and in Italian, Il Voluntario, it was also translated to Polish. Uh, the recently published book, um, which talks more about uh, Auschwitz concentration camp and the history of the Auschwitz concentration camp, using uh, Pilecki as the main character, so to say, um, and also um, a um, captain's portrait, uh, which I believe was recently published uh, as well. Um, there was also an effort to um, popularize the character of Witold Pilecki on the part of some Polish foundations, and if you are interested in the report itself, it is available in online as an audiobook or you may download a, a written version, uh, which is um, which is um, in English, uh, at the address HTTP um, and as um, as featured on the slide. So uh, I really um, encourage everyone to explore the report because it um, in itself it's not only a military report as would be expected from an intelligence operator, but also a fine piece of literature. Uh, the author, the intelligence operative, uh, was uh, endowed with uh, great sensitivity. Uh, he displays many um, artistic inclinations throughout his life and throughout his work. Uh, so the report reads well also as a book, even if you're interested in facts contained in it. Uh, it is a good piece of literature, uh, although of course the um, um, subject matter is rather somber. Um, luckily, my uh, luckily my lecture was preceded by uh, a few lectures which uh, sketched very well the background of for what was happening in Poland uh, during the Second World War and also after the Second World War. But just um, to um, to remind what the situation was like, Poland was attacked in September in September 1939. And um, first it was attacked by the Germans and then the Soviets entered from the opposite side and the two, um, and the two aggressors divided the lands of Poland between themselves in accordance with the Ribbentrop-Molotov Pact, which, was, uh, which had a secret clause um, describing um, the, the event of the division of Poland, uh, which was made true um, in 1939. Um, what you can see on the map is that a part of the um, a, a part taken by the Germans um, is um, in two colors. One is brown and one is striped brown. This is uh, because the a part of the lands incorporated 
um, a part of the former Polish lands were directly incorporated into the German Reich, and the other one, um, the other part was left as a stamp state, which was a German protectorate during the Second World War. The uh, legal conditions for Poles uh, in the two parts differed, um, and um, of course, it's like a topic for several separate presentations. But uh, what need, what is interesting for us in this moment is that in the general government. Poles were the second-class citizens, they were banned from education, their food rations, rations were uh, small and limited. Um, free trade was forbidden, so many Poles had to double in food trade just uh, to survive because their food rations were um, designed um, in such a way um, as to uh, waste away the Polish population in the long run. Um, and also other means of terror um, were used and one of them were concentration camps here where, where the red arrow appears is the location of the camp that we are interested in. This is the camp uh, that was infiltrated by um, um, Leftenant um, Leftenant Witold Pilecki. Um, who was he? He was he was a member of the Polish military, and um, during the occupation, uh, he was one of the founders of the secret Polish army. And here, what needs to be understood about the political situation of Poland was that the Polish government Polish government managed to evacuate when Poland was attacked. Uh, this meant there was never a formal surrender of the Polish mil military forces to the Germans, which allowed the Polish government to reinstate itself in the West, and it also allowed it to re-establish uh, Polish armed forces abroad, but also it allowed for military, uh, from, from the political point of view, um, it allowed for the activities of the Polish military uh, in Poland. And many, any, and many Polish soldiers believed that since there were no formal um, surrender order, they all they need to do is just change into the civilian clothing and keep fighting the, in the way that was available to them. And what was available to them was clandestine activity, uh, many spontaneous small um, small um, military outfits um, were formed um, underground, and um, Pilecki was a founder of one of such outfits. Uh, he was cooperating with um, Major Jan Wodarkiewicz, who had his own political ambitions and um, who was very keen on making his um, outfit uh, grow and uh, have um, individual ties to the London government. And eventually um, it became a major uh, player among the clandestine organizations and when it came to the unification of the, of the Polish underground army, um, there was a serious unification talk held and Major Jan Wodarkiewicz um, probably, uh, I believe, it was uh, as a bargaining chip allowing him to build his position in the, in the new, um, in the new uh, military clandestine outfit. He proposed that a member of his outfit uh, will infiltrate um, Auschwitz concentration camp. And uh, Witold Pilecki con contemplated um, this option for a while, and finally he decided to volunteer. Uh, he assumed an identity of Tomasz Serafinski, 
Um, in the left bottom corner, you can see a, a sketch of two people. Uh, the one to the left is Witold Pilecki, and the one to the right is Tomasz Serafinski. And the story of this portrait is going to be told later on in my presentation. But this is the clandestine operator himself, and this is the true man whose identity uh, he was using. So uh, what Pilecki did was join a, a roundup organized um, per, a roundup, um, which was um, a thing, a repression act which was organized um, regularly in Warsaw by the occupational powers. Uh, he joined the second roundup um, organized in the Żoliborz district, uh, which uh, was in the district inhabited by Polish intelligentsia. The aim of the Germans was to round up as many Polish men as uh, possible, the, rep the representatives of the Polish intelligentsia, because they believed that if you get rid of the intelligentsia first, the, rem the remnants of the nations uh, will be more helpless and uh, more easy to govern. So they had a systematic plan of the destruction of the Polish elites and males were targeted as breadwinners and, uh, and generally the pillars of society. Um, so um, um, what is also interesting about um, about the roundup and what I would like to say um, is that uh, when you read the report, Pilecki is going to write that he approached a roundup in the street. This is not true. He hides the circumstances of his arrest in order to protect uh, his liaison, who also happened to be his sister-in-law. Uh, in fact, um, Pilecki was arrested in her flat in Jolibosch. He didn't, um, and what he did was when the Germans were, in, were searching the flats in the area in search of um, male populace, uh, he said his home, although he was offered um, an opportunity to run away with a back door and, and, through, and through the back courtyards, uh, uh, two times. Uh, so this is this is the first moment when he volunteers. Not only, um, I would say, um, it it is much more difficult to say I am here, take me away, uh, than just to approach a street roundup and and be caught. I I think this is a, a more difficult way of being arrested. Just. Um, to give you some um, characteristic of uh, Witold Pilecki as an intelligence operator. Uh, so uh, what happened in Auschwitz was that um, Pilecki faced a reality he didn't expect at all because it was all designed as a as a so-called Vernichtung, Vernichtungslager, which means annihilation lager. And it was made clear to all the inmates from the very beginning and um, the reality which he faced with omnipresent terror, uh, senseless labor aimed at uh, wasting away um, the inmates, um, terrible ways of death or driving people to death through labor, was not something he expected. He, he expected a concentration camp, but it turned out soon enough that it is a godless place and a death camp. Um, so he had, um, as an intelligence operative, uh, he quickly realized he had two tasks. One of them was surviving, 
and the other one was start his um, start his clandestine work. Uh, so um, when you read the report, you can clearly see those two strat those twofold task he faces every day. First of all, he needs to stay alive and find ways to stay alive for long enough to be able to start his intelligence work. Uh, his intelligence, um, in, in terms of uh, what he wanted to achieve as an intelligence officer, was to first create the clandestine organization, secondly to be able to gather, um, collect information and dispatch it in the form of reports outside of the camp uh, and the ultimate aim which um, in the achievement of wheat of which he has never succeeded was to um, a stage an uprising inside the camp and liberate the inmates. Uh, so just very briefly because it's all uh, described in the report and it's not the main point of interest of this lecture was the surviving strategies uh, first of all, he had to blend in and try not to be killed um, in, every day in the camp. Uh, when he enters the camp, this is the initial period when the, when the camp is still primarily the place where the Polish inmates are held and um, are supposed to be annihilated. So every day there is plenty of opportunity to get killed and the daily routines of uh, of um, work of the inmates uh, are um, designed in such a way as as many lives are possible as possible are lost uh, on the way. Um, so um, he he um, the survival is done so so to say step by step. Uh, first of all, he tries to avoid punishment. Um, then he, tr he tries to find a workplace under a roof because he soon realizes that working in the field during the winter, uh, manual hard labor, uh, sometimes unnecessarily primitive, uh, is designed to, to kill prisoners. So he needs to find a job under a roof. And the moment he finds a job under a roof, uh, he is able to start to build connections between the people to try to um, build his network. Additional task is finding additional amounts of food because, of course, um, the, the inmates are subject to starvation. Another question is the terrible hygienic conditions of the camp. They are also designed to waste away the population of the camp through rampant disease. And there is one very moving episode in, in Pilecki's report, uh, which he himself describes of as one of the two hardest moments in the camp, when he uh, fell ill with typhoid, he he was in the um, camp's infirmary, and he believed that if he falls asleep, the lice will eat him alive. So he uh, he um, conducts a heroic fight against lice, trying to scrub them off his body. There is one other inmate who helps him to scrub the other side of his body. And only because he dispatched um, news to the members of, of his organization that he badly needs help at the infirmary uh, was he able to survive. Um, the other part is the creation of the organization. So what, what Pilecki does in the camp is the creation of the uh, military organization union. He sets about uh, this task uh, the way he was working in Warsaw, he creates the, initial, the five initial cells. It takes him one year to build them from 
from September 1940 to November 1941. Uh, it takes a lot of time because the initial five cells need to be uh, um, need to be composed of people who are absolutely trustworthy. So it takes him time to see who could be willing and trustworthy enough to, to start the work. And then each of the members of the initial cell was supposed to recruit further members so that the network could grow exponentially. So in the end, almost um, 900 people belonged to the, to the organization. And um, Pilecki was trying to target people who could be... Um, who could be useful to his organization. So uh, people who are working in, in good Arbeitskommandos, the working, the working uh, crews, uh, which had access to certain goods. And the, and the larger the Auschwitz became, and the more industries it was tackling with, and the, the more killings was, was done in Auschwitz, uh, the more commandos were created and the more influence people could gain because, for instance, uh, when the mass extermination of Jews started, the, all the goods that they were bringing from all over Europe were, confiscate, were confiscated from them. So Pilecki describes this situation as small, uh, uh, small brooks of gold started to trickle out of the camp meaning that there, there was an opportunity to steal diamonds, gold, um, and various uh, small but pricey possessions people were taking with them to the camp because they were informed they are um, wherever they were recruited from, like France, Belgium, and other places in Europe, they were told at home that they are being resettled but they were allowed to take only a limited amount of luggage. So they invested in small things that were uh, pricey, like diamonds, jewelry, um, gold and dollars. And this is what they were taking with them. This was all confiscated, stored in uh, multiple barracks in, in Auschwitz, and um, it was being stolen. Of course, for stealing what was considered the property of the Third Reich, um, uh, it was punishable by death, even if you were uh, a German SS uh, officer. But nevertheless, some quiet deals were taking place. And uh, with time, um, the Auschwitz became also a sort of, of um, a business enterprise, so to say. But Pilecki starts, um, uh, starts the military organization and first of all, um, he describes various outfits in, in which uh, he was starting his work and how he was doing this. Um, but the most important thing is, um, is the fact that he starts to report on the situation in the camp already um, in the 1940s. So, he, so uh, he gets to the camp in the 1940 and uh, he sends his first report um he gets there in September, he sends his first report already in October, because at the very beginning it was possible to buy people out from uh, Auschwitz, or sometimes they would be released, and if he considered them trustworthy members of his network, he would give them oral reports to transfer to, um, to his organization in Warsaw. Uh, an important um, um, example of ingenuity of, uh, of Pilecki in the camp is also the counter-espionage activities he had to devise because, of course, there were people um, in, 
interested in what was going on in the camp and with time when uh, when the Germans noticed that the annihilation work doesn't go so smoothly as they predicted, they they felt that there is something going on. So uh, Pilecki had to devise a number of counterintelligence measures to cover his uh, his organization. One of one of them, uh, curiously enough, was making uh, the uh, was changing the meaning of the word organization and organizing uh, because he made sure that this word m meant simply theft in in the circumstances of the camp and he popularized such um, euphemism for stealing uh, so that the activities of his organization could be hidden and couldn't be overheard two people discussing about organization and organizing were primarily thought to be discussing theft and possibilities of enrichment, not really the activities of any serious organization. Uh, um, there was also a system of getting rid of people um, um, of people suspected by his organization of spying for the Germans. They were usually um, given some um, some medical. Uh, medical substances in the hospital infirmary. Uh, somebody would give um, laxatives to the food of the uh, supposed snitches. They would uh, go to the infirmary to remedy the situation and there um, some harmful substances would be injected um, into their bodies as supposed medicaments uh, so as to get rid of the threat. Um, later on, when the escape stopped uh, being punishable by death, uh, Pilecki's organization was also participating in, in the organization of, es of es escapes. Uh, one last feature which developed after Pilecki left the camp, however, it was still done by the organization which he started, was the help to the women's camp in Birkenau. It was mostly the help in providing women with food and uh, medicaments because um, the um, hygienic conditions in Birkenau which were definitely much worse than in Auschwitz. Reporting was done by, uh, by oral means and um, later on um, first by people released from the camp and later on by people who escaped from the camp. So whenever an escape was uh, was being prepared. Um, if people who um, planned it were trustworthy, they would also uh, dispatch a report to Warsaw. Um, what, what really needs to be underlined here is that Pilecki managed to inform the, um, the Polish government in exile about what was going on in the camp relatively early. So um, Polish intelligence knew about what was happening in the camp and they were dutifully, dutifully reporting on it to London. Uh, and the fact that the information that the Holocaust was taking place was not disseminated before um, 1944 uh, is due to widespread censorship, which, uh, which is discussed in other scholarly publications. However, as far as the polls are concerned, they, they did their share of reporting and they were not withholding this information from the Allies. Um, what we get to know as Pilecki report um, and what I recommended to be read online 
uh, is the summary report of uh, what he was doing. And this summary report uh, was um, composed by him and two other inmates of Auschwitz uh, concentration camp after his escape. Uh, Pilecki organized his escape uh, on Easter um, on, on the night between 26th and 27th of April. And the, re the reason for it was twofold. What year? 1943. Okay. 1943. Uh, the reason for it was twofold. First of all, he noticed that um, the so-called old numbers, so the inmates with low numbers, are being dispatched from uh, Auschwitz to other camps because the Germans being unable to uh, pin down um, the whole uh, net of, of the clandestine organization he created, they decided um, quite um, reasonably that whatever opposition they faced must have been organized by people who were um, who, who um, knowledgeable in the ways Auschwitz worked. So the old numbers, the low numbers. So they started to dispatch the, the old numbers away from the camp uh, to other camps uh, in Germany. And uh, Pilecki felt that if he, if he doesn't do something, he will probably be, dis be dispatched uh, somewhere else. And he didn't want it because he believed that organization of the uprising in Auschwitz is possible and he wanted to lobby for it with the, uh, with the Polish Home Army, the, the clandestine army. He was unable to do it by means of his reports, so he decided to escape. And um, there is a witness of his deep faith in, in the report when he talks to one of the inmates and uh, he says, oh, I'm going to escape. I'm, I'm, I will escape from the camp. And the inmate is asking, can you, just, can you do it just like that? Can you escape from a concentration camp just like that? Uh, and Pilecki simply replies, if God wills it, you will. And it's true that uh, his escape was accompanied by a few miraculous, um, one may say a few miraculous uh, events. For instance, the, the door of the bakery through which um, he was escaping didn't want to yield to the pressure of him and to other escapees, uh, but they finally did yield. Then um, they were able to steal a boat thanks to the um, key um, for a screw that uh, was made for them to escape from the bakery. So they were able to release a bolt beca because they were able to open a chain which was secured with a screw. And, and then the, the most miraculously of all, uh, it turned out that the person working for the home army in the village where they, uh, close to the village where they sought shelter uh, with the family of one of the military union members who stayed in the camp was actually uh, the real Tomasz Serafinski. And this is how the uh, portrait that I showed at the very beginning of the presentation was sketched. Uh, because for a while, um, the false Tomasz Serafinski, Witold Pilecki, was, hinded, was hiding with the true Serafinski family and, and the true Tomasz Serafinski, who was trying to help him to uh, lobby with the home army to organize the uprising uh, in, in the camp. It was also uh, at the Serafinskis that Pilecki and two his colleagues, Jan Radze and Edward Cieszelski, drafted the, the first shortest draft of the 
report, which uh, which was uh, the the report in the nutshell, which was provided to the Home Army, in the belief that this is going to change something in uh, in in their attitude towards. The camp. However, the the longer Pilatsky was trying to lobby, the more he realized that without the help of the Allies, Poles will never uh, risk a larger operation within the area occupied by the Germans. So, with time, he realized that this task of of uprising was hopeless. However, he did manage to create a clandestine organization inside of the camp, which provided more food. Uh, and um, and the reason to survive to uh, many of the camp's inmates. The the, the last part of uh, of his um, of Witold Pilecki's um, activities during the Second World War in Poland is um, is um, also in hiding. He um, joins another um, intelligence outfit, which uh, was designed to face the imminent. Soviet occupation of Poland. It was called uh, Niepodległość. The short for it was Nie, which means no in Polish. So he was working to create this organization. Uh, and later on, he joined Warsaw Uprising in spite of the orders uh, that were given to the members of Nie that they are supposed to save their life for the future and are forbidden to participate in, in the armed struggle. And then as the participant of the uprising, he found himself in the Murnau POW camp, from which, after its liberation by the Americans, he headed for the for Italy to join the Second Polish Corps in Italy. And now the I need to mention the the global situation of of Poland at this point. The war ends, and the Polish government in exile is very unpopular because they stress that although the Americans and the Brits are the allies of Poland, the Soviets attacked Poland, and even though they are formally the ally of our allies, um, Poland is is definitely at a disadvantage uh, in this situation. However, the allies want to end the war, and of course, um, the whatever policy, whatever foreign policy was there was a byproduct of the policy of the allies towards the Soviet Union. At least this is uh, how um, Jan Karski was describing it. Um, and um, as a result, um, more and more faith is put in the puppet uh, communist government that is being constructed in Poland. And um, in the end, um, Pilecki decides to come back to Poland as a member of the Second Polish Corps. But uh, the Second Polish Corps and General Anders, who is his commander, no longer... Uh, represent the official uh, Polish military. They have no longer the backing of any uh, political institution. So he keeps faith to his unit, but in the meantime, the unit stops being the official representative of the Polish armed forces. He, come he comes back to Poland. He is initially very optimistic about uh, the possibilities of activity. He, he tries to apply the same method he applied in Auschwitz and um, build uh, an, a network of uh, trusted people who can provide him with information. But soon he realizes that the repressions in Poland are too severe, that the Soviet domination uh, is going to be imposed ruthlessly on Poland. 
uh, he witnesses all the acts that uh, Professor Isaisky before me was discussing in detail. So he knows the situation has changed and that the old organizational model can no longer be applied about what he actually writes uh, to his trusted uh, to his trusted cooperative uh, Maria Shalongowska. Um, the net around him um, um, becomes tighter and tighter. The communists realize that there is some sort that there is some source of information uh, trickling out of Poland. Um, although Pilatsky was very careful, he didn't create any formal organization. There was no formal vow, no, no formal um, network as it was during the occupation. It was only a loose network of people who would give him information which were not secret at all. Uh, these were mostly what we would refer to uh, as white intelligence, namely the, the information and um, uh, the information you can get in the official sources of information like newspaper, newspapers, institutional reports that was subsequently analyzed by the people who, who were working with him and, uh, ref and summarized and dispatched to the second corps by means of couriers and clandestine methods. This was in fact um, close to uh, espionage activity, so to say. So, uh, however, the network around him is tighter and tighter and he finally got arrested with other members of what will be called the Anders Espionage Ring, which entails eight people. He is arrested on, um, on May 8th. And from the very beginning, um, uh, from the very beginning, there is a sense of doom um, in in whatever is happening to him. Uh, I suspect that um, from the from the very beginning, the um, that torture may have been applied to all the arrested. Uh, however, a week after his arrest, um, he writes a. A letter poem to Colonel uh, Ruzhansky, who is the infamous, uh, infamous um, executioner and torturer of the initial years of communist Poland. Uh, he was the eminence Grise of the Polish Ministry of Security, and was a man who was deciding about the uh, about the future of many people who were investigated and uh, tried later on. And uh, um, I wanted to um, talk uh, about um, those two men in particular, although our time is limited, because um, uh, Ruzhansky, um and Pilecki um, illustrate a very important clash of, of two organizational cultures. Um, a week into his investigation, Pilecki writes a poem to Colonel Ruzhansky, which explains the motivations for whatever activities he had during the war and afterwards. And in the last stanza of the poem, um, Pilecki, um, Pilecki says uh, he wants to assume the whole blame on himself and that if anybody is to be punished by death, um, he wants to take all the blame on himself. Ironically enough, this is what happens at the end of his trial. Uh, however, uh, Ruzhansky is a completely different type of person. He is the person who is, for instance, um, able to promise um, um, to someone that uh, 
if this person reveals his contacts, uh, he will only enable those people to um, reveal themselves and no bad consequences uh, um, will meet um, all those um, underground soldier, uh, soldiers. Meanwhile, after the person persuaded in such a way, uh, after um, Colonel Ruzhansky gave her um, the word of honor of an officer that nothing will uh, happen to to the the soldiers who reveal their identities. Uh, he has all the soldiers arrested, part of them executed, and the person who went uh, who were in interaction with him uh, actually committed a suicide later because she was ostracized and uh, and uh, felt extremely guilty for what she did. Uh, Ruzhansky is also capable of uh, terrible tortures. One of other people arrested with Pilecki as a member of his ring was considerably younger. Uh, he had uh, he was newly wed um, um, to the love of uh, to the love of his lo of his wife, and uh, as one of the means to extricate um, to extricate uh, information from him. Uh, he was not being beaten, but his wife was beaten in the next room and he was listening to her shouting. Um, later on, she, as a result of the maltreatment she underwent, she miscarried in, in an isolated cell and was there, uh, was left with no medical help um, and a hemorrhage. So th this was the type of treatment that people were uh, receiving under investigation uh, in those times. And finally, uh, when when the trial is organized after uh, after um, an investigation of many months, um, the it's quite obvious that the sentence is pre prefigurated by by the uh, that the sentence is uh, already decided, so to say. Uh, the trial of Pilecki is accompanied by the witch hunt in the, uh, in the media. He is referred to as um, the under spy. Uh, he is accused of, uh, of clandestine, uh, um, of spying, of, um, of uh, extricating of uh, secret Polish documents, although this was not the case. And one of the major um, accusations is that he was organizing uh, an attempt at the lives of three most ruthless um, functionaries of the Polish Ministry of Security, including uh, Ruzhansky himself. Um, all the evidence of Pilecki's uh, activity during the war is withheld from the general public. Um, most of the people whom he knew in Auschwitz and who survived Auschwitz don't really know that uh, Pilecki is Tomasz Serafinski. Uh, after a while, they realize that the person accused is the person who saved their uh, saved their life in Auschwitz. They write a letter to the authorities that his life should be spared. However, this letter is ignored, and the person who rallied the um, all the inmates loses her position as a director and needs to work in the same institution as a janitor later on. Um, the trial of the Witold group was one of the trials uh, which were taking place since uh, 19, uh, 1946 into the 50s, um, which was uh, designed to, the, to intimidate the Polish populace 
you can see the red circle around his hands. Uh, Pilecki is hiding his hands because his nails were torn out. Um, he was tripped uh, by the executioners uh, and torturers during the investigation. He was probably trying to um, to hide them also from his wife, but uh, she was able to notice that his nails are no longer there. Uh, ultimately, um, the the appeal from the sentence uh, from the death sentence he received uh, is um, is um, not successful. He decides, uh, partly at the insistence of his wife, to uh, write a clemency plea. In uh, the first sentence of his plea reads, all my life I have worked for Poland. And in spite of, um, uh, and in spite of, um, of all his life biography that he um, includes in the clemency plea, um, um, the president of Poland, um, Bierut, is not willing to listen to it, um, which is also a part uh, of, of the communist repression. The reason why uh, Pilecki cannot be spared is that um, he was working for London and officially all the forces that were working against the Soviets in Poland were, were, were siding with the Germans. So by definition, anyone who were opposing the Germans was fascist or a fascist sympathizer. So it is not possible to reveal the past of Pilecki who was fighting the Nazis. It is not possible to uh, let him live and let the story spread. And it is necessary to remove the witness, so to say. So he becomes an element of a, of a larger political game in which the price is going to be his life. Apart from the capital punishment, uh, he is also sentenced to oblivion. The news about his life and his achievements is censored from the press in Poland. Uh, his family is persecuted. His children, the daughter is banned from studying. His son manages to uh, gain higher education, but with difficulties. Uh, his daughter has been persecuted all her life as the daughter of the enemy of the people. She was not allowed to work in decent conditions. She was only to be given manual labor. She finally managed to find a job through a friend in, in a um, plant building, um, in a plant producing building materials. But even there, uh, even though she was working in an office there, the, the office was next to the uh, uh, plant of, of the factory and she was inhaling toxic fumes and was forced to carry heavy loads and um, lost uh, one of her babies in the process. Um, the family found out about the, um, about the execution only when the um, archives of the, um, of the former Ministry of Public Security uh, were open. And um, only uh, in the 1990, as far as I remember, did the family find out that actually the capital punishment was uh, given to Pilecki on May 25, 1948. For years, his wife uh, lived in the hope uh, that 
maybe her husband is alive, maybe he was um, uh, deported and maybe he will be uh, coming back one day. Uh, but it was not to happen and his grave still hasn't been found. Um, to sum up um, this presentation about who he was, I wanted to um, mention a number of functions he performed in his local society before the war. He was a landowner, but he believed it was his duty to modernize the uh, place where he lived. So um, in the village where he lived, he started um, a fire brigade, a dairy cooperative, uh, which was very innovative and whose products were very popular even in Vilnius. Uh, he was also a doting father. Uh, he um, started a militia unit uh, because he was a very keen uh, equestrian. He was also an um, artist and a poet. And for all uh, his involvement in the local community, uh, he received an order of merit in 1938. So in spite of the narrative uh, which is um, which appears in some of the stories that I read that he was an everyday man who during the time of war the time of war mobilized himself to uh, commit an extraordinary feat of bravery. I am of an opinion that he was a man uh, who was trying to uh, achieve more and more at every stage of his life. And certainly he was a Polish patriot. Building of the local community and, and fighting for its security was his concern even when he was um, in uh, his civilian uh, part of life. And uh, he, he returned to Poland uh, to build his um, next clandestine organization against the communists voluntarily because he volunteered to do that. And um, when facing the inability of this task, the slow realization of the inability to perform this task in 1946, uh, he, he still decided to do it. Many people think, uh, many people say that he was, that his disposition towards his um, um, lower in rank was very fatherly. And I believe that he was coming back to Poland persuaded that he may help the Polish young guerrillas who were stuck in the forest with no possibility to reveal themselves to somehow come back to the civilian life, to help, to help them transition because he felt responsible for them. And in one of the private conversations he said, not all of us can leave, somebody has to stay here irrespective of the circumstances. And so he stayed. And um, to, the, to the left, you can see him during the court trial. And to the right, you can see the old crest of his family, which is one uh, of all their Polish crests. Thank you so much. Now, uh, the kids in Poland have just discovered Rotmisz Pilecki because he was a complete unknown. The communists buried all the memories of him. Uh, 
not so much in a few households, which then deluded themselves that this must be the case elsewhere. Uh, in the emigre world, like in Poland, we knew about Pilevsky, in my case, in the case of my family, it's because he was from outside of Vilna, and also my um, sister is still friends with his granddaughter. Uh, she's now a McQuaid, so she's an American. Her husband is an American. They live in Poland now. Dorotka, like the captain, she's a redhead. And I just want you to... Um, I met, obviously I know the daughter, and I met the uh, grandmother, uh, meaning the wife of, of his. I want you to look at his face. His default expression was a smile, which got him in the trouble in Auschwitz because the SS would beat him up because he had a smile on his face, so they thought they, that he mocked them. Same story with the communist secret police. They were annoyed that his default facial expression was a smile. So he was uh, a great guy. I had the privilege of editing his work in English. I asked the publisher, Terry Tegnazian of um, Los Angeles, not to put my name in because then leftists in American academia would review it. And indeed, a leftist professor from Yale claimed to have discovered Pilecki and reviewed, him, reviewed the book positively in the New York Review of Books, and now you can't take it back. So I'm very happy. Two questions. Are there any questions? Yeah? I was, uh, I didn't know about the detail. I always assumed that he had, you know, walked up to the Wapanka, right, the roundup. But uh, did he know that there was going to be a roundup in the area, or was it just by chance he was at his relative's house? Uh, no, in, in fact, he was considering the idea of volunteering uh, for this task for a while. He prepared to do that, namely he uh, studied all the information the clandestine um, Polish services could provide him with about Auschwitz, which was not uh, very widely known at that point because it has just started. Uh, and he, he did it totally, totally on purpose. But did he know that there was going to be one in that area when he was at his... Um, I, I, I think he was um, anticipating that there might be something and I think he was just living with with the idea that he that he will uh, that he will yield himself especially that upon leaving when he was putting on his coat he whispered to her ear that she is supposed to let know whom she knows that uh, he fulfilled the order Another question? Um, uh, yes? I'd like to thank you very much for a wonderful presentation. I'm very delighted with it. I'd like to apologize for my fault. There is no problem at all. Is there a question? Yes. <laughs> His family lives in Poland mainly? Or yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, they, they do live in Poland. So maybe the last question. I'll take the last question. You say of a guy like this, and I, I won't explain it to him. Yes, Cajonis decides of grapefruits. Uh, this was an incredibly brave man. I'm wondering if uh, you, in your research, have bumped into any other people, uh, even from other nations, that may have entered prison camps voluntarily for the purpose of intelligence gathering. 
There is a um, tremendous set of data in the Auschwitz-Birkenau Museum that still needs to be studied. Uh, I have not come across anybody else who would uh, volunteer for an intelligence outfit to gather information about it. However, I'm not a specialist on the intelligence uh, in the Auschwitz camp. I was mostly interested in the life of Witold Pilecki and whatever I learned about um, the activities of intelligence in Auschwitz uh, were not the main interest of my study. The main interest of my study was uh, Pilecki as a person and especially his after-war fate because this is the part of his life which is often overlooked. However, it, it very clearly shows that he was not an everyday man in the street, that he, there was more purpose and intent to whatever he was doing in his life.